When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beltalota. You know, we're the officially unofficial podcast for all things The Expanse, the series. And now we're going to be talking the novels. Uh, I have ripped through the final three books, the short stories, the final short story, the epilogue to the series, Sins of the Father. And I've been I've been really champing at the bit to talk with Jim about it. And he is being a pokey little puppy. So I've recruited our buddy <laughs> Pete Peppers uh, to talk the expanse because he's seen it all. Pete, uh, say hi to everybody. Hey guys, I'm Pete. Uh, Happy to be here talking about this today. Yeah, no, I'm excited because I, I was just explaining before we started recording that I, I'm you're, I haven't talked to any like no one in my life has done anything but seen the series. I try to get my kid to read it with me. Uh, my wife is reading other things. Uh, uh, the, the, none of my friends have seen anything past the series. So like you, you it's, it's you and me, man, we're going to get through this. Yeah. Uh, I thought we could, we, because I know some people are gonna like, is this going to be a spoiler fest? We are going to spoil stuff, but for the first five or 10 minutes, we're going to give like our general opinion. So if you want to know, like, is it worth reading the books? Is it worth reading the final three books? How does the series end in general? Like quality wise, we'll start, we'll start there. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. So if, if, if you've got book readers out there that have read the first six books, I think one of the things that they, they want to know is, do they feel the final three books? Do they feel of a piece? Or maybe if you're just a show watcher only, do the final three books, this final trilogy, does it stack up in terms of quality to the first six books? Or is there a noticeable dip in quality or interest? Or what, what's your opinion on that? I mean, I think that it's a pretty natural progression from the beginning to the end. And I, I, I actually prefer these three books as a group, you know, as a trilogy working together. I mean, they did a lot of like genre hopping and stuff in the beginning. And that was fun. It's like pretty novel and, you know, different ones have a different feeling. And, and that's, you know, enjoyable when you get to each new book. But I really liked how they settled into at the end here and said, OK, this is our our big trilogy these books are going to work together and it's going to be a move, a move to the end of the story and it's going to deliver. So I think that they're probably my three favorite. I mean, there's recency also, you know what I mean? But right. I really enjoy, I really enjoy the way they close it out. I, I actually agree. I was, I will say that, uh, and we will talk about this a little bit in more detail in a minute, but uh, I, when I got into book seven, and I was in the middle parts of that. I was being entertained, but I'm like, oh, man, I could see this, you know, this like th- this villain arc, not quite, you know, the, this the, the, there's a um, I wasn't quite gelling with the, the the villain and his point of view. And it seemed like a, a step down in terms of some of the complexities of the villains that we'd seen up to that point. I started getting nervous. But then uh, the end of book seven is pretty incredible. And I think the entirety of Tiamat's Wrath is incredible. Uh, maybe even the highlight of the series. Certainly, I think it's got the biggest crowd-pleasing moments. 
Yeah, and I then, think it is for me. I think it's my favorite, probably. Oh yeah, I man, I would love to see some filmed moments from that book. And then <laughs> Leviathan Falls, I thought was a very satisfying and logical conclusion. It gave a lot more information about the gate builders. They what the that the, they end up calling the Romans um, than I thought we were going to get. But also let it to be kind of a mysterious and open to interpretation or kind of beyond some things beyond human comprehension. Um, I, I thought that it, it did a really good balance of of surprising me, but also feeling in retrospect, very satisfying and cohesive as as an entire body of work. Yeah, I think satisfying is the word. And, you know, that's not necessarily sexy in some ways, but I think that it it. it it grows on it grew on me after i finished it even more like i liked it initially i kept thinking about it i kept going back and it's it's like you said satisfying in that everything that happens with the characters makes sense for who they are the internal logic is consistent with what they set up it all plays out in a very well thought out but you know just the way that it should based on how they set it up. And I don't know. I mean, like I said, satisfying isn't the word that, you know, some people might be, you know, hoping for, but I think it, 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 what else do you want? You know what I mean? That's like, I felt like the, the, when I closed the, the last page of the last book, uh, Leviathan falls, cause we can talk about sins of the father in a bit too. I felt almost exactly like I felt walking out of the theater after return of the King. Like I am mm-hmm. satisfied with the journey I've been on. Uh, I felt like all the characters that I cared about had a great um, a, a closure to their arc. Uh, there was still story to be told. Uh, still lots of things to do in this universe to do and explore. But like it was, it was definitively over and I felt, I felt good about it. It wasn't like coming out of the matrix where like, I'm wanting to fight agents and do Kung Fu. And like, that's the most awesome thing I've ever seen. It's, it felt like, you know, seeing Sam close the, the, the final book and go out there and hug his wife and kid. And I just, I felt good about it. Yeah. And then we'll get into it when we start talking more about spoilers, but I, there's, I, I feel like that that's a decision that makes sense. And I can't really say much more about it without actually talking <laughs> about what happens. <laughs> I want to talk about, cause I, I think something else that me and Jim and a lot of people are speculating about is the, the why did we stop at six? You know, it is a natural uh, end point. Uh, that is, that is true. Um, but one of the things I remember speculating about is, and and it seems like the showrunners are hunting about or hinting about is like the budget increase to do the next trilogy would be such that it wasn't workable to get it done within the rubric of the deal that they had on the table. And some people are interpreting that as like, oh, this is going to be so much crazy science fiction action. There's going to be so many space battles, there's going to be such this, so many that it just be t- too expensive. Does that match your characterization of the final trilogy? Does you th- do you think it seems prohibitively expensive to film in comparing to the the what we had in the first six seasons? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, it, the it, the the scope of the of the book is is bigger, but I don't really think that that translate it translates directly into being more expensive to film. And we're kind of at this point now where that unfilmable kind of thing that they say about stuff. It doesn't really exist as much as it used to. I mean, look at how much money they spent on say uh foundation or something like that. You know right. what I mean? Right. Right. 
I think it's hard to understand exactly how they make these decisions at this point in time. Um, I, I think that I think the fact that that season uh, six is so short that does hint that there was you know this problem, this issue of like they 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 wanted to make things bigger than than what they had a budget for. Maybe so, you know they had six big episodes rather than eight or 10 or whatever, but Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I mean, I think that some of the stuff that happens in, in book seven and then of course at the, at the very end, yeah, you're going to have, you know, it's going to be epic and it's going to, it's going to be big. But I mean, think of the stuff that they already did even in the first three seasons when they obviously didn't have the same budget that they would have liked to had. So yeah, I think of like, yeah, there's some big set pieces, but any bigger than the initial slow zone sequences and sequences in the yeah. this, the ring station. Is it going to be anything bigger than like, especially the fi- the finale invasion of the ring space? Like, no, I don't really think so. There's more no, space I think battles, that's pro- but. I think as far as that goes, that probably is the biggest thing. We've already seen it, right? Yeah. In, in season six. Yeah. And in terms of like, yeah, if VFX shots in terms of sets and locations, it doesn't really seem like a giant expansion because it is an expansion of the universe. Obviously, the ring gates continue to be a thing. There's 1300 systems. But even in the books, it's not like you are jetting around those things. You visit a handful and you hear about a bunch more in dialogue, but it's not like you would just be, you know, having to have 15 planet locations and, you know, bridges for 73 starships and a a bunch of new characters uh, and all that kind of jazz. Um, Yeah. And and it's still at its core, a character based story where a lot of the stuff that happens is, is between two characters talking, uh, you know, somewhere. It's not like, like you said, you don't have armies of different characters that have to be coordinated to do this or that. I mean, it, it still focuses in on these on this crew and and what they're doing. So, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I don't think budget is the reason that we're not seeing it. Or if it is, but not exclusively, so, anyways. You know, I, I wonder how much because I you know I know how the TV contracts work, and they tend to be like three to five to six year terms. You get people locked in and kind of like a rookie contract, and then you can have the situation like in Friends where they you know you might pay those actors all individually a hundred thousand dollars in the first few seasons. By the end of Friends, they're making a million dollars an episode, right? That explodes yeah. the production cost. I'm wondering if the fact that getting all of this cast back, like the core cast, um, now that this would be a completely brand new contract with a new production deal, I wonder if the salaries that their agents would demand, and I think they're worth it. I'm not, not, this is just like a, you know, can your team afford a quarterback conversation? (laughs) I I, I wonder how much that has to do with it because I think that would be, that that would increase the that would increase the cost of the budget with no like actual improvement to the perceived quality of the show. Yeah, I think that has a huge. I mean, I think that has and and does have a huge effect on the, like it sp- specifically shows that are you know coming after the golden age or you know prestige kind of model where you know they they were keeping people around for a long time and you know they all get producer credits eventually and right. it, it it definitely changes things up and um like you said they should be able to do that these if the if the show's 
super successful and it, they're you know they're the people who are producing it are making more money than the people who are making it should be able to negotiate against that i'm not i don't think that is is there's anything wrong with that but i do th- i do think you can see that like in real time where shows only last two or three seasons tops say in the netflix model mm-hmm because that they can they can sign people on they can give them a bunch of money in the beginning and then they can just you know move on to something else and they, and you, you also see that with you know these limited series you know a lot yeah. of the the stuff that would have been in the prestige mold a few years ago where we would see like four or five season runs they're just they're just signing them up like signing up big stars to do a six or eight episode run for a limited series instead you know right right are there any other things that we could think? Because, like, is it possible that the people involved? Uh, I'm not talking about Dan and Ty, but uh, the 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 other producers, the 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 showrunners. Is it possible that they just wanted to move on to something else after six seasons, or do you think there's still a real passion to bring in these last three books? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think everything that um, Narain has has said publicly, he seems still dedicated to it and wanting to do it if given the opportunity. But, uh, you know, I've also heard them say things like we're getting lots of more, we're getting a lot more offers to write. You know, it sounds like we'll probably see, we know that they're writing another trilogy together, Dan and Ty, but it sounds like we'll also see them probably working on a different show. That's not related to, you know, any of the stuff that we've seen them do before. So, there's a possibility of it. It's just, it's kind of hard to, to say all the way around. I think that the most interesting or the most, um, I mean, obviously there was a period of time where it seemed like they thought they were going to be able to do, do it somewhere, some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that, that kind of died off a little bit when we got to the actual end of season six. Right. But, right. Um, I'm not sure what happened in that, in that period of time. It seems like, um, the production company, they want to do it if they can. They have to wait at least some, some time until they get the streaming rights back and they're under their control. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a complicated thing. And, and I, I yeah. think, you know, if you think about it, like we talked about this the last time we had a conversation uh, when we were talking about season six, but you know, this was, this is potentially the greatest sci-fi thing that's out there right now you know what i mean Mm -hmm. some people would say of all time you know Mm -hmm. and it never really felt like in amazon's hands that it was it was that that they featured it that way i I mean did you think so no i i we we remarked about this on our podcast all the time that like in the lead up you know like you can't miss the fact that uh, the boys are coming or Marvelous Miss Maisel's new season or Jack Ryan yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But like in the weeks leading up to watching the expansion, because I was rewatching the entire series with my son and other Amazon stuff. I never saw them run a, a feature for the new. It wasn't on uh, or at least for very long on the main page of Amazon Prime. Like, you know, when you load up your thing and your your PlayStation, your smart TV. Uh, I never felt like Amazon utilized the obvious mar- merch opportunities there. They haven't even made a Blu-ray for season five or six. Um, and sometimes it feels like the expanse is a little bit like the wire of science fiction where the people that are into it are into it and they all agree it's the best thing ever, but they're just that, not that many of us. Um, yeah. 
I, I felt it, like this does show like doesn't that. even during its run, it doesn't get the the buzz that a lot of other shows did. It seemed like the peak peak time for Expanse Buzz was when it got canceled. And everybody went to check yeah. it out, and it made those. But like, it, it it never was able to sustain new fans uh, attracting in season four, five, and six. That's a theory because I have no idea what the internal metrics are on Amazon. Um, yeah, but it just and felt I, like that. And I guess I don't want to go to stay stay on it that long because we have a lot of other stuff to yeah, talk we about. Do have but a lot I, of stuff to talk about. I, I just think that maybe that that. I don't think that they set out to tank the expanse. I, I don't know no. if Amazon was ma- no. maybe the right place for it, you know, because mm-hmm. if you think about it, say this would have been on Apple or Peacock or whatever the newer ones are. Right. There would have been a huge migration of people or, you know, people would have signed up to watch it if that's where they had to see it. Right. And then when you're on Amazon, you know, that's why I was asking you about like subscriptions there. Everybody just kind of has Amazon Prime, and then yeah. if something's on, then they watch it. You know what I mean? So, like, would there be a lot of people who signed up specifically for that just because this show that they were following was there in the same way that it would be somewhere else? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's at, like most people have Amazon Prime for the shipping and all that stuff. It's kind of like having you know AAA auto service. You, you, you know, uh, you can also get fifteen percent off your hotels. But that's not yeah. why people have AAA. So I, I think you're you're right. Like, uh, it, it, do, do people don't sign up for Amazon Prime just for an Amazon Prime video? And so there's probably not huge numbers of people signing up for it just to see the expanse, like you might see. Um, and they just have a ton of other content too that they're they're yeah. pushing. Um, I just thought you know the other thing is like I thought that this was like Bezos uh, Jeff's baby. Uh, that he was personally excited about this series. And I thought that with having that executive interest and attention and fandom that maybe it would get goosed a little bit more, but I, there must be like an ironclad separation between those sides of the house because, you know, it, it didn't reflect the fact that this is supposedly Jeff's like number one favorite. Yeah. TV show. If that's the way he, if that's the way he treats his favorite, like man. <laughs> yeah. You know, he hate I mean? to see the show. He, he, he absolutely hates. <laughs> Okay. I guess he doesn't want to. He doesn't. He doesn't want to show any favoritism or whatever, huh? Right. Right. Um, well, let's get into. Like, I want to tell people that if you want to, if you don't want any spoilers for the books seven, eight, nine, uh, the the epilogue short story, you should really get out of here now because we're about to. Uh, we're about to start talking about that. Um, all right, that's enough. Enough time for everybody. Uh, I want to talk about because, like. I, I heard that book seven's reputation is one of is, is that of one of the weakest of the novels or it's like not usually people's favorite. Maybe that's a better way to explain it. And I definitely thought that at times reading the book. Um, what did you think? Is that how, how do you because because I think that's a rough one to start with, because for for lots of reasons, how, how did you find when you when you jumped into book seven? Uh, how was that transition for you? Well, there was a, a, the the first thing I guess is that the time jump it, that was that was pretty jarring to me. Like ultimately, I liked the time jump and the way that they used it and how it changes the story. But I think that took a little bit of time to get used to. It was almost like you know you're reading it and you're thinking, "Did I miss something? Is there like another novella I was supposed to read in between that explains right. this?" Like right. I think it was out there. The idea that, you know, whenever the sample chapters came out, like it was, you know, you knew that there was going to be this thing that was going to happen, but 
when you read it like in context you know what i mean it, they expect you to just absorb it and and move on it's not really set up in that way and i think that that has i think that has an effect but i think that it's it's kind of mixed for me like some of the stuff whenever they're doing like when they're setting up the um underground and they're sort of just kind of stuck in 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 the station trying to figure out what what, what they can do up against this like I, I think that that's not the best part i mean there's moments in there but it does feel like it's kind of stuck a little bit at times but then also like whenever <laughs> laconia comes back through the ring and some of the stuff that happens between uh drummer and Abasarala, you know what i mean like there's some yeah. really great stuff too and i think it all just sort of balances out it's not my favorite but i wouldn't you know i wouldn't make a point of saying that it was a bad one you know what i mean like i i don't know why i would rank it necessarily what, yeah. what do you think about it i think i I thought that the, it started strong because I, I had heard rumors about the time jump, so I was kind of braced for it. And I found it to be not super consequential. It definitely smooths over some of the questions as far as like, you know, how could Laconia get to the point that they're at? Well, they got 30 years to kind of, you know, dick around in their space. It it almost on the episode kind of strained my credibility that nobody would have gone through and checked in on them. I mean, I guess they got their their hands full, but like they, they, they took a third of Mars military with them through that gate. I would think that someone in 30 years would found the way to, 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 to get through there and take a look, see, but, um, I didn't, I, I think the things that really, uh, I didn't gel with is the, as the villain. And I saw that you particularly like him. So we can talk about that. The other thing is there's a little bit of like the family is fussing and feuding, like there's fractures amongst all of our kind of beloved crew for various pretty good and well-established reasons, but it's kind of a bummer to see like Amos being shitty because he's having a hard time dealing with the situation with Clarissa that James and Naomi were going to retire and flip the keys over to Bobby. And then they kind of get like pulled back in just when they thought they're out because of the Laconia situation and Bobby's feeling, you know, chafing under uh, Jim's kind of like assumed leadership, even though he's trying to be hands off. Um, I, I felt like there's a little bit of that where it's like everybody was bummed out at each other. And this is the crew that we love and we love that they love each other. And there there's a, there's a lot of friction between it. And Alex is kind of you know, wringing his hands. Cause he's the one he's got like the middle child of the group. That's trying to like keep everybody in uh, together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see that being a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, that, that's a better way to describe it. Like I said, I felt like they, they were kind of stuck, but it is also kind of a, a bad situation. That's not all that much fun to, to, <laughs> to read about. Like you said, I mean, that's the point, you know, they're in, they're occupied, you know, they're mm-hmm. in an occupied station and, and, things have just been turned upside down um yeah you you brought up sing I, I, I that's who you're talking about when you say you don't like the the villain right yeah the station commander the governor yeah and I, and i i mean i don't like him i i didn't think he was a cool character yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. It, <laughs> I like the way they used him though because having him be someone who's young you know he was um this was from strange dogs this is uh Zan's little friend that he was playing with when he got hit by the car, he grew right. up and he became, you know, this, this guy. So that's the right. time frame, And, and so I like that, that there's a, you know, you got this young guy who's really 
a Kool-Aid drinker, you know what I mean? He he mm-hmm. he's he's grew up and he he believes that this dream is real. And he can't just and he and because of his inexperience and stuff, he just can't understand why these people don't roll over and just accept their subjugation, you know? Right. Things things are going to be better, we promise. You know, you just right. have to give up everything that you have. And I I just I like that perspective because you can see i like the way that they do that with with characters too like where you, he he always gives you his thought process uh-huh and then it and then carries out his decisions and you, you know as a as a viewer you're looking at it and you're saying well okay well that doesn't make any sense but you can see why it makes sense for him you know what sure. i mean yeah, yeah yeah and i think that just does i think that does a good job to set up you know the difference of why laconia works in in duarte's mind you know but prior like why he thinks he can make this work and then the actual reasons why it would be terribly difficult to implement it you know what i mean i did like so the one thing because the thing of the the uh i just thought sing was just a wretchedly naive character and it made uh there's a couple things also i was uh, at one point i was thinking Gosh, are they playing with the idea that some people might actually admire and like the Laconians if you're reading the story? Because, you know, it's like, yeah, if you everything's going to it's like it's this pitch that like everything's going to we've got this. We got the solution to all mankind's problems and we got the power to fight the ring gates and all that. All you guys got to do is stop the fussing and feuding and submit. And it's 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 kind of like the Borg style resistance is futile. Like we are we have yeah. leapfrogged your capabilities so much that um, and I felt like. There is veteran commanders who are telling him where he's going wrong. Like you, you, these aren't Laconians, son. You can't yeah. just grab them by the scruff of their neck and rub their nose in carpet and expect them to, to you know, salute you. And he just kept ignoring that. And I'm like, this is making uh, the High Council uh, Duarte look stupid to put this guy in charge of so vital an operation. But then they murder him at the end. I almost want do you, are you are you subscribing to the theory that this was all intentional by Duarte that he was playing four dimensional chess by putting this guy in a place that he would fail um and kind of and and but kind of pave the way for a better person to replace him and demonstrate the justice of Laconia or I, I don't think that it was I know I don't think it was a plan necessarily but I think that there was always the backup if it did go wrong that he could do this you know he always had that release valve of he he's gonna win anyways so they really even everything that happens here like it doesn't really change anything mm-hmm. in the initial you know initially so i think he just sort of had that situation where he said i'm gonna put him in there if it works and he becomes a great governor then we win Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, if he doesn't, if he fails, we'll kill him and then he won't make a public thing about it. And yeah, that then we win again because we show that, you know, we but we won't put him above other Laconians, which is everybody right now. Right. Yeah. And I, I guess the thing that um, bothered me about it is everyone. There's like this thin cover of like, well, we have this this young generation of Laconians have never been tested. We've got this aging generation of Laconians that did survive the battles of the solar system and did fight the Belters and did fight Earth and they got all this combat experience and we need to get these new guys bloodied. 
But I just yeah. felt like making someone the administer administrator of the linchpin of the solar system. I, I think Duarte thought like, well, there's nothing. He can't screw it up so bad that us and our battle cruisers can't fix the situation. But man, he poured so much gasoline <laughs> onto the Belter fire that it's like there's some human costs to running your 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 the linchpin of your strategy that slipshod and. I guess it still feels like Duarte would be smarter if that was an intentional, you know, uh, but that, that doesn't really make sense either. That's why I said, I yeah, just think I th- book seven kind of uh, a little bit on the connections. Yeah. I think that, you know, the thing about it is, is that he, he had another fail safe built in and he had Tanika there. Right. You know what I mean? But they As let her dismiss the, the, him dismiss her. Yeah. But that, that just comes into the problem of the chain of command. If the governor dismisses her, what can they actually do? You know what I mean? Besides in a, in him a out autocratic dictatorship. Like, yeah, they can do I, I whatever mean, the, yeah, but it's an autocratic, it's an autocratic dictatorship where they're trying to promote this idea that everybody is, you know, they're trying to do an eagle to the plan, you know. Yeah, they're trying to do an eagle Terran utopian authoritarian or authoritarian authoritarian yeah, dictatorship. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think it all makes sense whenever you you really look yeah. at it. But what also fits in it, with the idea of the hubris of the Laconians, and like they have a particular maddening type of hubris where. Not only are they going to tell you how things are, but they have some extreme swings for the fences at like ideas that are felt half baked. And uh, let's for for example, uh, let's talk about the tit for tat, the prisoner's dilemma. (laughs) Did it never occur to Duarte or anyone that the goths were playing tit for tat with humanity and humanity? escalated that situation like it didn't it it the the the, it just felt like such a first year philosophy student so proud that he had read a paper about this goddamn prisoner's dilemma and his nate did these nash equilibriums but that did fit in like that they're just the 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 amount of the hubris that these guys have creening around drunkenly in the galaxy just sticking their sticks and wasp nest it was horrifying Yeah, it, it, I, I really enjoy it, that whole side of it. And because, like, you know, you're looking at tit for tat and you're saying that is insane. But if you look at it from his point of view, the way, you know, the way that he's been presented, it's 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 inevitable that this is going to happen. So it yeah. might as well be him because he's the most capable and and he has the ability to figure out what's really happening here in a way that other people don't. And of course, once he's, you know, modified himself, then that opens a whole different, you know, thousand year right kind of thing, doesn't it? I mean, he's he's going to he knows he's going to be the leader forever. So it, it, it kind of changes everything up on how, you know, what his his thought is about the scale of yeah. the consequences of his actions and things like that. It does. You mentioned a thousand year right. I, I thought that I wondered if they were kind of making deliberate um, parallels of these cults of personality, you know, like uh, uh, Hitler is dabbling in the occult and he's, he's uh, taken speed and meth and, and all this. And they Duarte is, you know, snorting protomolecule. Like yeah. I, I was like, I, I thought that was <laughs> wild when I realized what they were doing with him, that he had gone ahead and tried to become a protomolecule hybrid. Um, yeah. And man, I, 
I love that twist in the books, the reveal that the reason we're protected from these extinction events that the goths are trying to trigger. It's like, Oh, these, 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 uh, there's rats up in our attic again, lay down mm. the poison traps and they couldn't figure out why it wasn't killing us. It was just knocking us unconscious. Our meat bodies were protecting us. We were like, you know, yep. insulated copper, copper wires. And the closer Duarte got to the proto molecule, the easier it was for his mind to be blown away. And, mm-hmm. I thought that was the best part. Like, man, Tiamat's wrath is so damn good, but him being yeah, incapacitated really right from the, 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 the uh, right off the bat and the empire scrambling to try to keep this from everybody and try to fix him and <laughs> uh, all the indic, the palace intrigue that went in on, you know, this, yeah. this, uh, it, that stuff was great. Yeah. Trejo, he, he has some of my favorite chapters when he's trying to just, just try to pretend like everything's okay. Hey, right. you know, and right. he'll, he'll tell, he'll tell someone off the cuff. He's like, yeah, you know, Duarte is basically a stumbling idiot who, who can't even talk and he's in his room and we're just pretending like it never happened, you know? Yeah. Like this, like the, the effect of that attack, it like it left him like a stroke and you think he's just a vegetable that he's just a lost mm-hmm. in the sauce and I got to say, what there's so many fist pump moments in Tiamat's Wrath. One of the big ones was, you know, there's all these that could, uh, him him getting up and out of his stupor and going over and fanning away. Uh, Cortazar, uh, yeah, Cortazar, <laughs> just blood, just just destroying him molecularly because he's trying to kill his girl, and enough neurons had settled back into their position that he knew that was bad, and he had to do something about it. Our first inkling that there was something still there to him, yeah, because it he was just a husk at that point. You don't yeah. really know if he's ever going to re-enter the story, and even after that happens, you don't know if he will in a meaningful way beyond right. that. Yeah, was that like a reflex? So, yeah. Was that a subconscious defense mechanism? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that that is one of the all timers for sure. Um, are you do you do you do much reading on Reddit and stuff like that? Uh, because I feel like once a week there's a thread about like, well, did anyone else think that the Laconians weren't that bad or were thought they were? <laughs> I I felt <laughs> I, like that's a good job of Dan and Ty to write that. Cause I, I, to me, I think that's crazy, but it does seem like mm-hmm. there is this fascination with a benevolent dictator, you know, a philosopher King that can just, yeah. Yeah. I think that that, I think that that idea of them adding that in there of him, of him extending his life that way to become immortal more or less. And, and until he does the antimatter bomb and, and mm-hmm. is not, not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that does have something to do. I mean, of course, you know, they, they feel like they can bring order to a chaotic place. That's what those kinds of people are you know offer right so it, it's not it's not surprising you know and i, I don't want to dunk on anybody for like thinking hey you know maybe these guys aren't so bad you're supposed to think that while you're reading it i think don't you right, I right, mean, right. They're, they're trying to present them as they are bringing a solution to this the, to this issue they're going to bring everybody together that- and, and and how worried are you that the gates are going to kill all of humanity? What measures are you ready to accept to unify humanity against that threat? Yeah, Dan, like I said, I think Dan and Ty did a really good job of putting the best foot forward of why that would be attractive to especially people that grew up in the, the Martian philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
Yeah, I, I I do read quite a bit of of Reddit. I I, I don't know if I would always click on those those threads. I, I always do because I'm fascinated. I'm like, what is your? Or the people are like, is anyone else think the Belters are assholes? Like, I'm like, whoa! I need to know how you think, man. Like, where? How yeah. did you watch? Yeah, yeah. I, I do see that, and, and it is a little bit hard for me to understand how how you how you pick up this and you know how you pick up this story and you follow it or you watch the show either way around and and that's where you end up. That that's surprising to me, but yeah. You know. I mean, if you want to say the Belters are no angels, they're no saints. They've got their problems, but like they're yeah, because they're human and they're acting like yeah. humans do in their situation. Uh-huh. But yeah, uh, it's just one of those things where I'm always. <laughs> I don't know what Dan and Ty think, you know, when they're when because they interact with the fan community a lot. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I made the video about um, uh, about Duarte and I and I kind of let, put a, you know, said something about that in there that people would would constantly probably discover this character and think that he was right. And, you know, kind of in the way that people do with all villains and at one time right. or another. And I actually did have some comments where people were like, actually, I'm here to tell you this is why that's the case. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> pe- there, there are people that are diehard um, Duarte was right fans, apparently. He, he, he seemed like one of those dudes that um, has this really good core competency in one obscure thing. And because of that, convinced himself he's a genius in everything. Like they talk talk about like this guy is very talented in terms of logistics and administration, like getting things to mm -hmm. and from, uh, and that's how he's able to pull off this giant heist. But you, you know, you keep reading and it's like, well, this guy has also got his fair share of dumbass tendencies and giant blind spots and personality defects and, and flaws. Yeah, he did. Like you said, he pulled off one of the biggest heists in history Avasarala does say that his plan, his paper that he wrote in school was would have worked that he could that Mars could have taken over the solar system right. without firing a shot. Like all of that stuff's real. But he jumps straight to like, well, you know, I got this I got people figured out, so I'm better jump to to go into war with the gods now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. When you storm heaven. Uh, yeah. I, and, and, so there, I, and there's there's some truth to that that you know there, there there's that the the goths probably are coming eventually but is that really the most pressing thing that's going on in the solar system at the moment you know here are the weekly highlights coming up this week on bald move apple tv is releasing a new series based on blake crouch's novel dark matter aaron and i are big fans of his work so we're picking up the new show on day one Join us this Wednesday for the preview podcast. The Shogun Limited series might be over, but that doesn't mean our Shogun coverage has to end. We've got the wrap-up podcast releasing this Tuesday, where we'll consider all your feedback and final thoughts on the series. And because we like the show so much, we decided to go all the way back to 1980 to cover the first TV adaptation of the novel. Do what you can to find a copy and join us this Thursday for the first of our four-part podcast on the 1980 Shogun miniseries. And finally, the latest first-run movie, The Fall Guy, features Emily Blunt and Ryan Gosling. He's a stuntman tasked with finding the star of his ex-girlfriend's movie when he suddenly goes missing. Is it a rom-com? Yes. Does that mean I'll automatically hate it? Not if the trailer lives up to its promise. Join us for the podcast on Bald Move Pulp this Thursday night. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app.
getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. What, so I, I, this is a good dovetail on the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is like one of the things I really enjoyed watching and reading The Expanse is the fact that they were able to pull apart some really interesting nuance in 20th and 21st century politics. You know, like if you you squint and you look at the Belters and Earth and the Mars and you start assigning, you know, different geopolitical factions and you can kind of see that they're doing a lot of commentary on the way things are, the way things are going, maybe the way things should be. Um, and a lot of times when I'm watching David Simon stuff like The Wire, it's like, man, he's he's so good at describing what the problem is and showing it from 360 degree angles. Right. So you really get an understanding. But what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to like learn? What are we supposed to implement? A lot of times I don't know what the answer. It's like I understand the problem, but I don't I'm no closer to understanding the answer. Do you think that um, the Dan and Ty had anything interesting or useful to say about like how we as humans uh, should organize and cooperate and work together or, you know, like what, what is their prescription for how we avoid making some of the same mistakes when we expand humanity's habitat? Well, I mean, I, I guess one of the, I guess what I always sort of liked about this and, you know, in the beginning and it, what, what sort of brought me in into the, really enjoying the world more than just on the character level was you know that that it's kind of i like the near future aspect of it where it's not so far in the future that it's completely you know removed from from where we're at right now and and it's dystopic but it's in a natural way like it it's not like there's this big thing that happened that that caused the world to be the way that it is it just is what it is and that's just the natural progression of where it's going right right exactly. so 
you know, they had these little things that happened that was able to prop up the system a little bit longer. You know, the Epstein drive came in to make it so that we could go a little bit further. And then after that happened, and then the ring gates open, and then all of a sudden we have 1,300 worlds full of resources that are out there for us. So I always, I like the way that they, they sort of made that feel realistic and, and, and connected to where, where we are and what we do. I, I mean, I think the big problem with a lot of sci-fi, one of the things I like about it, but also one of the things that really makes it difficult to make satisfying endings is, you know, we're looking at people that like purely human solutions are, are really difficult to craft. I, I think that's what you're touching on there when you're talking about, you know, do they have anything meaningful to say prescriptions? I mean, nobody really does. It's, you know, because if they're just, if, cause humans create the problems, we're not that good at working together. We don't really like the idea of, of becoming a hive mind when it comes down to it. So, you know, how do you deal with that? A lot of times it'll be some kind of supernatural element or some higher alien species or something, right? Because how do you do it? I mean, look at, look at fantasy can be the same way. You know, like you have, if you're talking about people and all the, all the problems that arise through them gathering power and holding on to it. Well, how do you solve that problem just based on the things that we see around us? It's, it's difficult to do. And I, I think that it's kind of smart the way that they did it, where they kind of went back to the individual level of like, you know, you can't sort of, I think they sort of laid the ground for, groundwork for it in book six, whenever they're talking about when Naomi's talking about how, you don't get to find out if it works. You just do what you mm-hmm. do and, and, and you try to be, you try to do right and try to take care of that little part of the world that you live in. And then you don't get anything in return for that. You don't even get to know if it worked or not. And, you know, um, then you get to the point where it's just, it's more about like doing, you know, making that decision based on those things. I mean, the, the, the core idea here is that, Holden absolutely believes that people are more good on balance than bad. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't have, and when, if you can, if you're, if you're just there, then you don't really have to talk about how might that feeling change the world. You know what I mean? The situations there, they have 1300 new chances. Once that closes down, maybe somebody will get it right. I, I think that's a pretty, um, you know, I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. What did you think about it? I think the the, the key thing is that uh, what you said that the Holden made, and I think Naomi does too. That uh, there's 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 real murderous assholes in humanity, but on the whole, there's more of us that are good and they're trying to like uplift each other and ourselves. And there are people that are dragging us down, trying to kill us. Um, I also like that there's this one rev- right before like Naomi's abandoning ship for the last time and like getting the hell out of the ring gate before they close forever. She's thinking there's this moment where she realizes that her scheme of sharing the rings would have worked. And she's like, it would have been so good if we were just a little bit better, you know, mm-hmm. um, that idea of like, if we can just be a little bit better and sometimes like not having a prescription, but telling people what not to do is, is super yeah. useful. Um, and there's also like, I thought the, I thought it's interesting. The sins of the father. I don't, I don't know if we want to get into like the, the details of it, but I thought there's, 
it's an interesting expanse in a microcosm where there's also almost a little bit of like there is a pendulum in history and it's going to swing back and forth and between you know the people who want to cooperate and put their heads down and make things happen and the people who want to take over and take charge and say my way i don't want to resolve things through messy committees and endless debates and democracy i've got it and we have no time to waste and we got to take the reins now and sometimes that can be like appropriate in like a battlefield situation you can't debate you know like targets and strategy and tactics at that but most of the time it's like in 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 terms of like building things in society it's the only way it's got to be but like there will be that tension and like like you know we can't give up just because maybe the pendulum is swinging towards ignorance and violence right now all of us that are heads down cooperators eventually have to like it's like this paradox of like yeah sometimes you got to say is enough as enough and you, you you have to take action um you can't just talk it's I, I thought there's a little bit of that too that's like it's not always a it's not always b it's not always carrot yeah. it's not always stick um but there's it a time is mad and place thing. for yeah everything. and and people tend to whatever their thing is try to make it the time for that all always you know i mean they try to they try to right. fit everything into to that solution and, and it just doesn't work that way i thought that was also the 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 fact that some people uh hardly anyone can do that both like you know that was officer Allah's problem is that all her life she had seen nails and she was a hammer and when there was a new uh wrinkle into the city she, she was very slow to adapt um, mm-hmm. But once she did, she was it. But not many people are like able to, you know, change their ways like that and adapt and be humble enough to understand that, like, maybe I've gotten it wrong. Maybe I didn't have uh, an accurate understanding about my foe. Uh, I didn't respect them. I didn't understand them. Um, but then I, I thought the Holden, I don't know, Holden's almost uh, too idealistic because I thought by the end of the series, he was kind of like the perfect protagonist. That he was no longer mm-hmm. the choir boy that had to tell, ta- run off and tattle every little thing that he was told. Uh, he actually had learned some guile and some 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 a little bit of how to play politics and diplomacy. But at the end of the day, he's also, you know, he single handedly took the fate of the universe into his hands and made a unilateral decision about how things are going to be. And and you know somebody had to do it in that moment, so right. it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because not to and, act was to, to 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 do it. It was was to choose as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into that right now, like about the ending, or if you want to talk about. Do you want to? Yeah, let's. Do you want to take a detour into? Um, uh, do you want? You want to talk about the 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 physical or metaphysical nature of the Romans, the Goths? Uh, do you want? Yeah, to I think go maybe it direction? makes sense to get. I think it maybe it makes sense to dip our toes in that a little bit before we talk about you know, his ultimate decision at the end there. So I was, I was interested that they really kept this ambiguous. I thought we would learn a lot about this and the final trilogy would be largely about the battle between humanity and the the goths. Right. Um, yeah. we really didn't get into that until late in the go, like r- really mostly book nine. Uh, how did you feel that they did spooling out that information, uh, storytelling wise and just like from a making sense standpoint? Well, I think one of the things I really appreciated about how they put it, how they brought it out in the final book was that you don't really even have to understand what's going on in those dreamer chapters to enjoy the book the first time through. You know that something 
is going on there and you know what i mean it, it, it's, it's kind of like it's, the, the, it's the alien in nature yeah. to a point that maybe we can't fully grasp it yeah but it's also like presented in this in this way it's sort of poetic you know the 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 language is 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 stands on its own as just being like oh i like what he's saying here you know what i mean mm-hmm, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is fun to read for a, a, a brief interlude and um it's about all of the stuff is kind of packed in there but then you also have this thing where the lv who is is kind of the smartest character in 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 the final trilogy she's there and she kind of interprets it if you're so inclined do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i really like the way that they laid it out like that and yeah you know, it's sort of like if you want this, it's right here. You can have it. You can under, you can really dig in later. But if you know, as, as far as like the first time I read it, I, I picked up that you know they they came from the ocean on a moon and they were there were slugs or were they um, you know jellyfish or something like that and you know that that was there. But it, you know, it took some going back to to really kind of put it all together. I guess you know what I mean. Yeah, have you? Um, it reminded me a lot of those those interludes where um, you know you got to like main fr- interface with the the hive mind, the the Roman hive mind. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of like the song and like poem portions of Lord of the Rings. Because when I was a teenager reading those books, I got to those like three pages of italicized text, and I'm like, "Fuck mm. all that! Skip, skip, skip!" It, it, it never, <laughs> it never, because like Boromir was always able to sum it up in the last paragraph of like what all that meant or whatever. Yeah. And I that's a good. But, but I knew I wanted and then I started feeling myself like this is because, you know what? It felt like reading an alien Bible, you know, like everything's very poetic mm-hmm. and it's all about, you know, like like uh, imagine an alien reading and God formed the man out of the mud and he gave the breath of life into his nostril and then he broke off a rib and he fashioned a wolf. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Uh, yeah, and right. that's what that's what it that's what it felt like to me when they were talking yeah. about that. But it's a great way because mm-hmm. you're right. Then you always had LV in the next chapter to be like, I think what they're going at is. Yeah. Uh, but did, did, you, did you ever play Destiny, the, the video game? No, I haven't. Oh, uh, well, played it. for my fellow guardians, it reminded me a lot of the Book of Sorrow from uh, uh, anyway. Uh, I, I thought that was really great. And my understanding it's such a great uh, these are the best kind of aliens where they really get into like and again this very poetic and mythic way their biology and morality that these were essentially sea creatures uh they don't have access to fire they don't have access to technology um they might even be descendants of like corals or things things like that um that are not distinct animals they're like collectives of animals but what they mm. can do is manipulate lower life forms with like pheromones and have them, you know, do do their bidding and add. And you can see very clearly how a uh, a society like that could develop something like a proto molecule and not even think it's immoral. It'd be like, you know, like if we if we just found out tomorrow that oxygen molecules were sentient. And we're breathing mm. them in and killing them and turning them into carbon dioxide. <laughs> and like, you know, what would we how would we feel about that? You know, are we all going to hold our breaths and go extinct? Like, would we even, you know, like, like, like what, what would we do with that? And I, I think that's they, they really did a, a good job of showing how the Romans were using the protomolecule to, like, travel the galaxy virtually and never even thinking about the moral consequences of hijacking that life and using it for their own purposes, because that's what that was their fingers and thumbs. 
Yeah, that's the way they evolved. It, it, it wasn't, it, it's sort of like, you know, humans uh, subjugating other lower forms of life in the way that they see it, you know, eating, eating them, you know, that's right. Yeah. You don't wear, you wearing their fur as armor. <laughs> like we have a choice. And at this point in history where we can say, do we want to eat that or not? I mean, right. It didn't. It didn't develop that way. It developed. I'm like, you know, I need calories or I'm going to die. And this thing over here has that for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. if we think about it on an evolutionary scale, there really isn't morality involved for them. They're they're just they're just they're they're just evolving, and they're they mm. they came from this very this this form of slow life where things happen. You know, on a on a different scale, and then one of their major ways of moving forward was hijacking fast life, you know, other forms of life. And yeah, I really like that because they're not human in any way. There's nothing human about them. So we, we don't have to even try to put the same morality thing on them. You know, it's just the way that they are. They're not quite the force in nature that, that, um, the goths feel like because, you know, the goths are kind of like in this other dimensional, really we don't know what they are kind of situation mm-hmm. we we can kind of figure out what's going on with the romans but we can't really compare them to us either you know what i mean like they're so they're so alien that we can't we can't really we just know that you know what they do we we know what they do and what's going to happen if they continue to or if they if they're able to you know bring their their hive mind back and yeah. so that makes us have to have a, a decision about what we want to do in, in relation to them. Well, that's the other thing I, I thought was interesting is like the Romans weren't even that bummed out that they were wiped out to them. It felt like that they were to, to me, it felt like a organism taking a one and a half billion year nap, confident that they were going to wake up. Like, you know, given a few billion years, uh, given the amount that we've spread our protomolecule and our DNA in the universe, we'll get our hands on some more genetic material. They'll eventually open the ring gates. They'll go through it. They'll find our giant big uh, B- BFE or big, big freaking mm-hmm. emerald. And that uh, the, 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 the we'll reboot our consciousness. And it'll be like a continua- continuation, you know, like, like what is Holden said. He's like hijacking the murder monkeys to... Yeah, um, and, and that was actually kind of like their plan. It's like we're going to build this super weapon that only creatures in a substrate, only people, only creatures the physical bodies can trigger, which we know the goths are not. And we're just going to take mm-hmm. a nap and wait until the eons of the time provide us with the finger to pull that trigger. Uh, yeah, and it, it's it's a survival it's a survival tactic that you know they 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 were at the at the point of being destroyed completely. Yeah, you know they were losing the war with the Goss, and but did you feel like they felt like they were losing? It's it's like it it felt to me like um, it's like like uh, like like a a creature like a starfish being aware that one of its it's lost one of its limbs. It wasn't particularly felt any certain way about it. It's just like oh let's try let's try not to let that happen again. Let's try this. Try that's not working. That's not working. I don't know. It felt that's that's the alien nature of it i didn't get any of the emotion of what it felt like it felt very like a a calm uh robotic thing that was happening to them because yeah i don't know you you do kind of get the idea that there was beautiful voices that were singing and they were snuffed out and And stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's not like what we would think of if if 
if say you know we lost a continent on the earth or something like that you know right right it's definitely a different kind and and and, i mean i guess that's part of being a a a high mind right they're they're Mm -hmm. not they're not individuals they're more like neurons in in a brain so what is that what is that even like to lose a significant portion of those is is it like losing um entities or is it just you're losing some of your processing power for a while you know hmm yeah um what about the goths because i will say that they remain the most mysterious the ring gate entities the aggressors they remain the most mysterious part of the book because not even the ring gate builders the romans understood them and their nature of them uh, my understanding is they were a different plane of universe or uh, a different uh, dimension or a bubble universe that was adjacent to ours and somehow the romans were able to pull in power you know, out of that mm. to it decrease entropy into our own world. And that was causing some kind of environmental damage to the Goths that the Romans didn't know or care about. Is that, that your understanding yeah. of what was going on? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good, simple um, description of it. I mean, I think that what, what happened is the Romans, they were, they were expanding out and, they found these tears in the fabric, which I guess, you know, you could think of the, the ring gates as that. And, and, and then also where the ring, the ring station is that's inside the, uh, that's inside the goths universe, you know, which is a different kind of place. It's, 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 you know, maybe a different dimension, like they're 4d or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have different physics, Uh, something that, you know, basically, like you said, we're there, those, those, those tears they were able to siphon off energy that's coming from this different kind of universe and that's powering everything that's that's going on and and it it enables them to move throughout um you know the galaxy instantaneously and and communicate you know non-locally like that that's the thing is like some of the the science behind this was so like when they started doing non-local effects where it was happening simultaneously at all points in the galaxy. I'm like, I they, they had some like stabs at underst- uh, explaining the science. I even read some Wikipedia articles. I'm like, I yeah, I because they're stressing it like it, it's not violating causal- causal- causality or the speed of mm-hmm. light. But I'm like, well, how is it not? If you're simultaneously yeah. knocking every sentient being in the galaxy unconscious. How is that not violate causality? Like, how is not exceed that information not exceeding the speed of light? But that's just me being a dumb murder monkey. Yeah, and I think that that's another thing that I've always liked about these books is that you know that you can that stuff's there if you want it. You know, the story is good, the the characters are good. It's fun mm-hmm. to 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 think about you know how they might react when you get they get thrown in these crazy situations. And then if you want to, you can, you can really kind of break down all of what's going on in, in, you know, LV's process of trying to understand what these things are and what's happening. And yeah, you know, I, I think for me, it, as someone who's not totally, you know, physics, you know, I'm not a physicist or have much real understanding of it other than I like to read sci-fi books. Mm-hmm it all works pretty well. You know I mean? I, I, it's believable. I, I, I know that there's probably things that violate, you know, 
actual science, but it, oh, it also was way beyond like at one point the ring station takes a gamma ray burst, like one of the most energetic, destructive events that we can think of. And it just kind of like glows for a few months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like there this this ring gate station can is is can take a licking and keep on ticking. Uh it seems yeah. for all like indestructible and like how in the world can any physical structure but you know, that's why they're the Romans and 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 we're not. Um that brings me to the next question. How did you feel about Holden flipping the switch or shutting the ring gates? Or, or let me ask you this cuz like my understanding is that Holden had this binary uh, possibility. He could wield the weapon that the Romans created to just to, to beat the Goths. But the penalty for that would be the humans being united into a hive mind, which probably yep. is going to be remade into the Romans. We would no longer be humans. Mm-hmm. We would just be the Roman substrate. Or yeah. he could destroy the ring gate and close all this stuff, and that would shut the 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 gap that the Goths are using to invade our our space. Um, mm-hmm. Was it because? But I also thought like, was it possible for him to flip the switch on the weapon, but not lose all of? I wasn't quite clear of like, was there a way to like have everything to essentially have the 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 gate like this the return to status quo? You know, essentially. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Leave the ring gates open, but uh, let humanity continue to cooperate, et cetera, et cetera. No, no, I, I don't think it would have been possible because eventually he's going to be consumed himself personally by yeah. the, by the, by the proto molecule. Yeah. I mean, it happened to Julie. Julie is the example of that. You know, we, we saw that she had some agency for a, a, a while. She was able to move Eros into Venus, but she's not she doesn't exist anymore and that would have happened i mean she she does in 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 a different way you know yeah. her consciousness does but that would have been holden eventually like holden wouldn't have been able to stay in the station indefinitely and just you know pulling the strings um i i i think that we can we can say that pretty confidently so yeah i think what what's interesting about the whole idea of flipping the switch is you know the he sees that he has that moment where that he sees that what it would look like and it does look beautiful you know he mm-hmm. sees everything working together and 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 you know things evolving to a different level like that people aren't necessarily people anymore and so you know that there's that question of like you know would you do it if you were that if you were in his position right and, and if you if you look at it story wise you know he had to do it because like i was saying earlier he's eventually going to be swept in you know part of what was going on with duarte was that he didn't have control anymore that's not mm-hmm. duarte who is creating the the hive mind that's the proto molecule taking over right. duarte and using yeah. him as their as their tool Mm-hmm. You know, he's using, they're using him to pull the hive mind back now that they have this better, more resistant form of life when it comes to fighting the Goths, you know, like our minds, we go out, but we don't, we don't die instantly mm-hmm. like they did. Right. So, yeah. So then I think the more interesting, so I think, yeah, story-wise he had to do it. Otherwise the end of the book would be that the proto molecule won, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like he, he wouldn't, he, you know, it wouldn't have been Holden that did that. It would have been them. And then, so yeah, they won in a sense. So I think the more interesting question is if, 
you know, you would do it if you were there. And I kind of think like if I was there, I would have, I would have picked the hive mind. Yeah. It's because like the, the, the one thing that makes me say no is, um, it always felt like to me when the ring gates opened that we gave thermonuclear weapons to, uh, to, to, to chimpanzees, you know, like, mm-hmm. like too much, too far, too many rungs, too many, too many rungs past our grasp, uh, extending our reach combined with the fact that like, it's maybe humanity becomes a hive mind board collective Q continuum at some point in the future. Right. But it'll be something that we work towards and we all agree that we're in on it. And like it did feel like it'd be fundamentally immoral, especially when we saw the lived experiences of the people who were sharing the consciousnesses. It didn't seem beautiful from their perspective. Like that that no. implies that, that that we were seeing Holden's perspective as filtered through what the Romans wanted. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like it's it's morality. You can't force a binary decision like that on all of humanity Uh and and like I said, what maybe it's best, whatever best means in the long run. Uh, but yeah, especially a guy like uh, like Holden. And but yeah, what I would do, I don't, man, I don't know. Especially when you got the uh, you got the Romans singing in your ear. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's. I think that's, I think that's where they kind of really had a, a an interesting take on the hive mind because obviously that. If you think about, okay, people can't work together, that's always going to be an option on the table is for somehow for people to become connected in a way as a solution to that very obvious flaw we have as people. And like you said, if that happens naturally, then okay, that's that's something different. But, you know, here they're presented with an immediate problem that needs a solution you know what i mean they don't they can't say well let's sit around for a few generations and see if people warm up to the idea right he has a choice to make and he has to make it now and you know it's interesting when you think about it too because he when he closes down the ring space when he destroys the station that cuts them off from from the power from that universe from the uh, you know from the goths universe so it's not even really clear if the BFE is still, I don't think it would even be a backup anymore at that point, because where are they going to draw the energy to, to, to do that? You know what I mean? So in a way he's picking humanity over that civilization. Is the ring station kind of still there them out in the process? Am no, I, it's I, gone. So the ring station, because I was wondering if like all the ring gates, he deactivated all the ring gates, so we're permanently cut off from it. But like if the ring gate station was still there in its pocket universe, it's just there's no way to get to it now. Yeah, I think my, my interpretation was is that when you see them fall, when you see the rings fall, that's the right. that's the the thing they, of that saying, they were well, because there's even nothing we, holding them. In, there's nothing he, holding them in place anymore. The the, 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 the yeah. station's gone. And even before the ring gate was open and active, when uh, the 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 rock jockey uh, went through it, it still was powered. You know, it was still hovering there in space. So yeah, you you might have it. That that might be the best take. Yeah. So you know, it, it, I I think that the, I think it's tough. Like you, you know that you could see you could see where Holden. I mean, Miller's there to throw out the, 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 the argument, you know, like, Hey, you were the guy who said everybody needed all the information and, and, you know, now you're going to make a decision and you're going to kill a lot of people. That is tough, but in it, you know, it, 
like like Naomi says, they have thirteen hundred. You know, there's thirteen hundred chances to get it right, as opposed to humanity becoming something completely different. You know, I also th- also interested. They they showed some signs that maybe the hive mind thing would have been okay once we got used to it. Because like Tanaka, that's her name, right? The the major mm-hmm. or the colonel. Um, she yeah. f- she had all this intense shame and like built this facade that she couldn't let the world in on right and she had this intense uh, dislike of having people in her mind but there was a couple points because she thought everyone would judge they would expose her they would know her intimate secrets mm-hmm. but it seemed like there was a lot of POVs of people invading her consciousness or seeing things and taking pity on her or not pity like empathy like people yeah. were like, oh, man, uh, you're, you're so uh, racked with guilt or you're feeling all this shame and you don't really have to or you don't have to be this strong. And like if we would just get over the fact that like, you know, all of us have crazy thoughts, all of us have things we're ashamed of, all of us feel like we're frauds and failures. And it mm-hmm. actually kind of be healthy if we could read each other's minds for maybe, you know, and, and realize the, the the truth of that. But yeah, again, that, you can't force people to do that at the end of a gun barrel. Yeah, and and I think that that is, I you know, that she wasn't my favorite character necessarily, um, but I thought that they they set that up pretty well. You know what I mean? Like she's annoying in the mid, you know, she's annoying in the middle part where she's trying to kill everybody that we like. You know what I mean? But um, the fact that she is completely on board with being a Laconian. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the whole dream. But she keeps this one little thing to herself. You know, this one little space inside herself that makes that possible for her. You know, she has those secrets. And as long as she has those secrets, she can do everything else. So having her be exposed to this thing where her, her, her secrets come out, it, it makes for a really, uh, you know, makes her the end of her journey really interesting in my, in my opinion. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club? Whoo boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full, spoiler-filled, first-round movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members, with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is reward unto itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. I agree. So we, we kind of decided to talk about how we felt about the ending in Leviathan Fall, uh, Falls. Um, okay. Um, I want to, I want to do a couple of kind of like rapid fire things here. Uh, I am vehement, vehement, vehemently against including strange dogs in the season six. Now, after I've seen the whole thing, yeah. 
not only did I think it's distracting and it doesn't really set up the next season the way it needs to be, it kind of ruins some, it kind of spoils some cool stuff in the later books. Like mm, Amos, about that. Amos coming back from the dead would have been a huge surprise had we not known that it's possible to reconstruct the dead. I think Zan and Kara uh, uh, would have been a more interesting, creepy surprise characters if they came out of the blue. You know, the fact that they mm. got these like these little these eternal kids in their basement they're experimenting on. I really dislike the decision to bring the Laconia stuff into season six. I know you are pro. What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, I was. I mean, that you know, I think that I liked it. I, I, I was wondering how you, if you if you if your uh, point of view changed at all after reading everything. I guess I found out that it has. It did. I, th- I, yeah, I think that um, uh, the biggest thing about the that part of the story, and I don't know that they even really pulled it off that well in the show, was that it set up that is is as good as is as good as Duarte's plan might've been like for what he thought. I like the way that it it points out that humans are still going to, they're not going to be able to leave the proto molecule alone. And we see that the, you know, we see the, the drone, the uh, repair drones, the strange dogs come out because he's messing around with this, um, you know, active sample there again. And, and like I said, I don't think a lot of people, took that away from it. They thought about it more of a, a sort of like a self-contained horror story of, you know, these kids being reanimated, but it's interesting what you're saying now that, you know, it, that you thought it spoiled some things. I think it's hard for me to remember, but I think what happened with this, you're, you're actually supposed to read strange dogs before you read. Um, if you do publication order before you read Persepolis rising book seven, Right. If you um, were, because, but, but I don't like, I always think of short Tiamat, stories as, wrath, or no, Tiamat's Wrath. I mean, I think you read, it's not important, but you're supposed to read that before, um, before Amos dies. Uh, only in, in this case, I don't think I did that. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that I read that one out of order. See, because I, when I, because I, I, there's another series I like, the Jim Butcher Dresden Files series, and I've read all the main canon, but I haven't hard, hardly read any of the, like, uh, short stories that have come out around there. Same as, like, George R. R. Martin. Um, I've read, you know, just because I had to, I read the Duncan Egg uh, a series. It's kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that's around the, the universe. Um, but I don't normally do that or I, I would probably read the main canon and then read the short stories and I felt like mm-hmm. again like it, they, they played the Amos thing as if it was a surprise it wasn't like a and people are like well if they did that it would felt like a deus ex machina like no it they didn't it would have been a new cool reveal but they did the structures like you know Amos got killed they couldn't find his body they're looking for and, and then he comes back you know looking like and they uh, had those and they had the the repair drones like sniffing around the, in his entire story during the you know what i mean it was definitely right, right, right. foreshadowing yeah. there I, I, exactly and i it's just like like because i just saw that coming a million miles away as soon as for, for, yeah as soon as amos got got taken out i'm like well and he's right there in the layer of the fixing dogs i'm like well this he's going to come back cooler than ever yeah <laughs> and he well, that's did. what i was that yeah, and that was the point I was going to make was that I didn't read it before I read that book. I, I so you we know, did I read hit, yeah. and then I read and then I read Strange Dogs. I think if I remember correctly, but still I I didn't think for a second that whenever he died that that was the end of his story. 
Like he was always really? coming back. You know what I mean? See, I, I think so. I think if if I had read that without knowing about Stranger Do- Strange Dogs, I would have gone several chapters thinking that Amos was dead until they mentioned his body was missing. And then I would have suspected some kind of protomolecule fuckery and, and been rewarded. Like I think you're supposed to, but it's a minor thing. It's just more of like it it, I just it, didn't, it it certainly didn't undo my opinion of the of, of being a show first watcher of like what is the strange dogs what is this care of zan business i i just didn't think they sold it i mean it, the way that you know when you get to you know, when you get to clarissa's ending and you get to bobby's ending those feel like all right, this is the final chapter of this character and it, you know they grab you it, by the yeah, heart and you're, they you're have right an exit. there the, the way that they wrote Amos is it was just like, oh, yeah, most important guy in the whole story just got shot in the face. And, and now we're going to move on to the next chapter is what it felt like, I think, the first time I read it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it'd be strange to pull a shed this late in the, the you know, he's just yeah, bam, gone. You know I, mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got you have, you have Bobby going out like a, a Valkyrie and, sure. you know, Cliss or Matt going out like a beast, uh, like a then monster. You just, then you, then you just have Amos getting shot in the face and left in a in a in a cave. You know, Although just he didn't, did have it didn't, it he didn't did take like two of those to fuckers to two of those fuckers with him with just a pistol. I guess like he, yeah, yeah. I felt like it was. It's, it's not like he just like you know someone came into the door and bam in the face. He had and he's protecting a child. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to talk myself into being being blown away by this. But and I still undead Amos. Well, I want to ask you, what do you think about the epilogue? Ring gates are closed. Uh, Humanity is is left to defend for themselves, and then you get an epilogue a thousand years into the future. I mean, this is one of those things that 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 I couldn't be surprised by because the internet guessed it so long ago. You know what I mean? Um, this particular thing, the epilogue. Yeah, that was the last man standing thing. Was 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 definitely out there you know like the oh. idea that i mean obviously obviously amos was gonna live and, and he was gonna outlive everyone else because he's immortal basically but um you know just specifically having an epilogue that that is in the future and he's still there like that yeah that was people had guessed that a long time ago that that was gonna happen exactly it's actually funny because Whenever the book came out, like the sample chapters came out, all the titles were there. And that, that linguist title, that almost threw me for a loop because I was like, what does Amos have to do with a linguist? You know what I mean? Like he's gotcha. not a linguist sometime in the right. future. Right. So I actually thought that it might be wrong, you know, that the theory might be wrong until I actually got there. I mean, I think you can't go wrong there. It's a bit, it's a bit fan service maybe, you know, just sort of like... Amos is still Amos. Let's go have a beer at the end, kind of thing, you know. But how can well, you how can you not like that? I yeah, I, I loved it. Like the idea yeah. that he's you know he's kind of like the protector of Earth and the humanity. It's taken a thousand years, but they found their own way. They got faster and light travel. They're you know they're making a go of it. Uh, you know, re- maybe ready, older, wiser, uh, more more completely of- black at this point in his life. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I thought that. I, yeah, just it's one of those things where it was just it was just cool. It was. Yeah. Um, it's like the end of uh, Back to the Future, where the DeLorean turns into a hovercraft and takes off. Like one of those things <laughs> where the story's over, and you know uh, there could be to be continued. But it was just such a, 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 a such a great 
I mean, man, I, do you think they'll ever return the the Dan and Ty? Do you think they'll ever return to the Expanse as uh, as a universe? I mean, they're pretty young, all things considered. I think you could say you know never say never, but um, I it, to me it sounds like they feel pretty pretty much like it's a complete story and they're ready to move on to other things. I wonder if they would ever like license the universe out to, you know, like other authors to do works like an expanse stories in that. Cause there's like such a, that's such a fascinating thousand year period for a universe setting. Well, I mean, they don't own the IP anymore, so that that doesn't mean that that won't happen. You know, they They don't own the, the, the really, they don't own the IP of the expanse. Not for for film and TV that they, they sold that to. Alcon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking for like writing books, more books. Like if they wanted to have like yeah. a short story collection of famous science fiction authors writing stories in the Expanse, like I would. It doesn't mm. have to be Dan and Ty. Is what I'm saying. It could be anybody. I'm 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 in for for more of this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I I feel like I believe them when they say what they're saying right now. You know, they they're, they're pretty consistent and and this, you know, we wanted to write this, we did it for 10 years, we're happy with how it ended up. But 20 years from now, who's to say, you know what I mean? They might That's they true. might might change their opinion on it. I don't think there'll be anything in the immediate future. I just wanted to say I, I wanted to to talk a second again about one of the the epilogue, you know, I that the idea that he his he's that Amos is is turned completely black. I always I, that was one of the things that that um stood out to me in that reading that the first time because you wonder because you know when he got shot in the chest by Tanika, he was, you know, that part of his body turned black. So you kind of wonder if his body is completely black because he's been through that much violence in that a thousand years that pretty much every part of him has been, you know what I mean? Or if it's just that, you know, something more basic that like all of his cells eventually die over time. And, you know, but I like to think about it as him having a thousand years of violence to whereas, you know, he's, there's nothing of his original skin left anymore. I'm just saying that would be a hell of a post-credit sequence for a theoretical film based on the ninth book, right? You get get the, all the way through oh, the credits, yeah. and then you know West Chatham's there, and Jet, you know, just not even not like like that Vanta Black, you know, it's yeah. like nothing reflects off of. We're not talking like a a, a, a person's skin tone. We're talking mm-hmm. the void, black, black uh, eyes too, you black know eyes, I mean? everything. Like, just just she's he's a, a, a hunk of obsidian. Uh, it would be a, it would be a striking striking visual. Uh, what about the epilogue to the epilogue, the short story "Sins of Our Fathers"? How'd you feel yeah, about I that? Thought it took me a second to come around to it. Um, I kind of I kind of married myself in my mind to the idea of of there was nothing else to say about Philip. You know, he's this guy who he's this tragic character that's stuck in a situation where there's no good choices. It sucks, and you know that's what he has. He has a chance to get out, but it's just a chance. I liked it. I liked it a little bit better like that. So when I first heard it was him, I was like, ah, well, we'll see what they do with it. And and I think like maybe the first on the first read, I thought, okay, well, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to to tell us a little bit more about you know what happened to this character, but also keeping it vague to the point that you can't really say, you know, what they just extended it is what it felt like at first. But when you think about it a little bit, you know, more, 
I kind of really like how they did it because, you know, they have, this is one of those 1300 chances to get it right. This, this place where they're at. And, and so I think it's, I, I think I like how they kind of put him in there. He still chooses violence. You know, the guy whose life was destroyed by his proximity to violence, but it makes sense for, you know, the logic that he uses to get there makes sense for the character. What did you think about it? I, I actually liked it. I, I thought um, it was an interesting book. I really liked um, I was one of those idiots that didn't realize that uh, until they made it explicit that the governor was the daughter of uh, Volavidov. Mm. Uh, what is her name? St. Anna. Uh, I, I, so yeah, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pick up. Yeah, so I didn't get that until they made it pretty explicit towards the end. Um, and I too. thought that 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 was interesting that you've got the, you know the sins of because I'm like the sins of our father. This is all about Philip. What the fucker? But you know, it's metaphorically yeah. you know the thing you know, that like the, you've got the progeny of these great people that had this interesting r- note to play, and now humanity sundered. Mm-hmm. And it's something that like you know what is an appropriate penance or atonement for Philip to do for all the terrible things he's done. Um, you know, what, what it, it, it just did feel like I mentioned that like, this was the expanse and microcosm. This is the shit that humanity pulls. This is the counter response to that shit. This is the pendulum. This is the good people trying to, you know, get on the side of the pendulum to slow it down. And this, the bad people that are trying to push it the other way. And just everything is just, you know, instead of being massive and solar system and galactic wide, it was, a tribe this it's essentially place, yeah. it's just mm-hmm. a little tribe like it like an undiscovered undiscovered tribe in the jungle trying to survive again mm-hmm. i don't know there's something and, and and the author's note at the end i really enjoyed where they're kind of essentially like this is our yeah you know, like the cover letter to the story that we're we're telling here i, I thought it felt really sad yeah. it was a, it was uh is breezy like it you know I, I i think i polished it off in an hour um yeah yeah I, I liked it i liked it right away and the more i think about it the more it's uh, none of these short stories because I read all the short stories back to back to back. None of them are like vital pieces. They're just uh, like supplementary no. information. Um, most of it had been covered in the show. I f- was surprised to find, um, but I, I thought it was good. I thought it was good, and I, I was just I was inhaling. I went like I in the space of six weeks. I had read Persepolis, Tiamat, Leviathan Falls, and then as the day I finished it, the uh, short story dropped. The day I finished mm. Leviathan Falls, and I'm like, "Well, that's the sign, baby." So I went and uh, I, was, I was gonna have to wait four weeks at the library. I said, "Fuck that!" Got on the Amazon, got it down on my Kindle. It's good. Mm. It's good. It, it felt. I, I don't know how it have felt if I had several months to like anticipate and think, but like reading it as an extended epilogue, it felt really natural. Yeah, that, well, that that's what happened to me was that I basically, like I said, I I always I I kind of struggled with the character of of Philip in the book, and you know when I first encountered him, like how do I feel about this guy? What do I, you know, it, some of that stuff kind of, you know, it, it, it's 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 not the most it's not the most comfortable character to really kind of think about, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, whenever I heard it was him, I, I, that gave me time to like. um to sort of build up a wall in my head of like, well, I really like how they left his story. So this better be something There better be a good reason, you know? And, and, and my thought of that, of, you know, it kind of blinded me from, from absorbing everything that they were saying when the first time I read it, but 
I agree with everything you're saying there. I think that, you know, having them have it, like I said, he, you know, he, he, he has to, he chooses violence. And I know some people were bothered by that, that, it, you know, but it, what, 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 what else could he actually do in that situation? You know, like based on who the character is and where he, how he got there, you know what I mean? I, I think it, it, it makes sense. And I think it's, it, it's a reflection of, like you said, the whole story, the whole, the whole, every choice that every person makes in relation to that big, big idea of, you know, uh, do we think that people are better than they are? Do they tend towards the side of being better than worse? You know, is that true? And then when does that not really come into be a real factor in the decision that you're making? Because I think that that guy would have probably bullied everybody in that little uh, community to the point of where, you know, it would have it popped off at some point. So, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough decision that he has to make there. It also felt like a, a, a person who's now definitively a man looking at the creation of like his father, you know, like how his father yeah. got to be the way he was and like recognizing that pattern and seeing it for what it was and like personal growth for, uh, uh, Philip, um, but also like the you know the back the, the the we're all products of our environment. Um, I don't think Philip had everything exactly right, didn't handle everything exactly right, but um, no. and probably Anna's daughter didn't handle everything exactly right. I thought I thought it was a little bit of a raw deal to banish him. Um, I, I but you know she's doing the best she can do. You know she's trying to course correct mm-hmm. from being the daughter of Anna the saint. Uh, like they like they have so opposite. They're the living embodiment of the pendulum swinging, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, then and the more I think about it, the more kind of complex and rich it is for just like a little Fabergé egg of an expanse story. Um, such a finely yeah. crafted small little thing. Yeah, uh, I, I think. I think that, um, you know, like you said, that none of them are essential, but I think they all do add a little bit of something, and, and this is no exception. Yeah, they're all worth reading, even like, you know, the Epstein drive, which essentially they told in five or six minutes of one episode of The Expanse in season two. Uh, the expanded story of that and the extra characters and a little nuance that it gave. Like, I, I, I enjoyed all that stuff. I think if you're a Expanse Uber fan and you get done with books nine and you're like, you know, I'm not ready for this ride to be over. The short story, especially the collection, the what is it? The, the memory banks of blah, blah, blah. I forget exactly you know, they released a collection that has everything, including sins of the father. Oh, I think that's no, the one to get. What are you saying? Uh, Me- I, I, I was, I'm not sure. No. I thought it was like memory. It's something. Um, Memories Legion. Yes. Memories Legion. Legion. Okay. And yeah. I think that's the one to get. Cause I know a lot of people complain when they got just a short story that it didn't come with all the author's notes. Cause the Memories Legion comes after every single story. There's an author's note where Dan and Ty talk about, where they were when they were writing the story and how it fits into the expanse and just, you know, little, little personal oh, I haven't notes. Seen that yet. Yeah. That's uh, the, the memories Legion. I think is worth it. Uh, worth getting just for that little extra director's commentary on the short stories. Yeah. I, I, I can't buy physical books really. And you know, living outside the, the country oh, it is on the so. Kindle is just, you had to get the memories Legion collection instead of the individual story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I just opted to. I, I figured I would buy it as a book when I was back in the U.S. at some point. So I just bought the the Sins of Our Father Kindle and uh, Gotcha audiobook, standalone. 
Um, but now I know what I now I know I can go and get that and, and, and <laughs> yeah. a little bit more. So it's like I was two seasons good. in there, Rick and Morty before I realized they had those little thirty second trailer or like the post credit scenes, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to go back yeah. and you know to Hulu and fast forward and watch them all. But yeah, it's one of those type <laughs> of deals. Uh, do you want to talk? Like, uh, let's maybe uh, to talk about our favorite moments because I think people would like to hear us uh, wax nostalgic. Maybe one or two if for, from each of us, and we can get out of here. Yeah. Did you want to go all books, or are we talking just the let's final all, trilogy? all three? Uh, yeah, the the, the final th- the final trilogy, final three books. Yeah, I, I think that in you know I, I think like you said before, I think Tiamat's Wrath is probably my favorite book, but. The chapter thirty nine in Leviathan Falls is is absolutely my favorite chapter. That whole that whole transition of where he apologizes to Naomi, uh, Jim. He apologizes to Naomi for always running into the fight. You know, running. You know, leaving her behind. He realizes that he only thought about it as him sacrificing himself or putting himself in danger but he realized that he was putting someone that she cared about in danger and that that is that part is a great setup you know she says hey i just just wait until i fall asleep before you go do whatever you're going to do and you know they have that great moment there that's the their real goodbye and you have him walking through the Rossi, you know, he thinks about Clarissa, he thinks about Bobby, he thinks about everything that they had together, and then it's all capped off with uh, Miller's return, and I mean, I still kind of get choked up whenever I think about that chapter Dude, reading it. Miller's return is one of the things that really did take me by surprise. I was shocked, kind of in the same way that like Philip coming back in Sins of Our Fathers was was a little bit surprising. That that was a genuine shock uh, and, 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 and the delight at that, that they're going to bring back one last time Miller. Um, and the way they explained it, I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, holding like this, this, just his, this joyous reunion he had kind of with him. Uh, all the old gags of him, like having these one-sided conversations and people looking at him like he's crazy. Uh, I, I, I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, it, I, I kind of figured that, I mean, it was, it was clear by that point in the book that he was going to do something crazy. He was going to sacrifice himself. You know, mm-hmm. he's the only one that, that, that was going to be able to, to make that decision. But you know, the, like you said, the actually actually injecting the proto molecule and doing that, and so that Miller shows up right away. You know, like that that part was all you know it was all pretty pretty uh, big surprise, and it felt super earned. You know what I mean? It, it felt like it was, of course, of course, Miller's back. You know what I mean? It, like it, it had to happen, right? Yeah. But in the, but in the moment, it's it's a total surprise. I would like to nominate the Valkyrie chapter of Tiamat's Wrath where Bobby, so uh, I thought I, I didn't want her to die and I wasn't prepared to accept it, but if she had to die no. and Alex said it the best, like you should have seen her. She's like a Valkyrie that she's got, she's, she's carrying his antimatter bomb, like a football. She's going to cram down the battleship's throat. And then why not engage her chain gun one last time with her jetpacks yeah. blaring. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to see this in a movie theater or in the comfort of my home and my, my big screen on my living room. So, so bad. I mean, it's yeah, the perfect I, way for a character to go out. 
It really is. It's a perfect ending. I think that maybe possibly the that Clarissa's was a little more of of like emotionally it, it hit me because I, I didn't realize that I cared about the character as much as I as I did in that moment whenever yeah. she makes that sacrifice. Yeah. But as far as just the perfect ending for a character, Bobby's really is that. You know what I mean? Holy hell. I gotta see that on TV. Yeah, it'd be I so thought- I- I also just I just really want to see a visualization of these these uh, giant vertebra looking ships too. like I I do hope they make them so we can see what these uh, Magnetar class battleships look like. Yeah, it would. I mean, I think uh, if we're talking about favorite moments, you know, I think um, when they come back through the when they come back through. Maybe not in the initially in the ring space, but whenever they're, I, I really like the sequence where you know they're they're barreling down through Seoul for the first time. You know what I mean? And and they're, they're just like you start it hits you as they're going. They're, you're like they're gonna walk into the the, the cradle of, of civilization where everything came from, the most powerful place for forever. You know, and they're gonna they're gonna hand them their ass with one ship. You know. As that hits you, as they're going through that, like I, I really enjoyed that. Just like these, like these fuckers are inevitable. Like you can't stop them. Yeah, and there's also like the experience of like all the entire solar system got to experience what it's like to be colonized. Because like I thought it was interesting what um, uh, the uh, Laconians do is like once they conquer solar system. They essentially take all the good stuff from Earth, all the treasures, all the cultures, mm-hmm. kind of like the British, you know, hoarding all the artifacts in their museum back to Laconia. Because now yeah. Laconia is going to be the center of human civilization. We're gonna make we're gonna make Laconia happen. Uh, yeah, we were. We just want. We just want to take the the emphasis off Earth, Earth a little bit. It will always be important. We'll always yeah, yeah, love yeah. Earth. But, it's always you know, for historical reasons. But but yeah, um, I, I yeah, like that I, stuff. I thought. I thought that was a, an amazing reveal. I mean, I, I hated the fact that Abbasarala was dead, but I thought that was an amazing reveal that she was buried on Laconia. Like, and, are you kidding me? And going to the 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 haunt them maybe. I I I, yeah. I um I also I, I I think one of my favorite moments too was, and I guess it's uh it is we already mentioned it, but um um uh, Duarte attacking Cortazar and blowing him away. And I then found like that combined with the prologue for Leviathan's weight or Leviathan falls, where it's all in Duarte's mind from the moment he got Mm. blown away, you know, waiting for his orderly to bring him tea to the, you know, him assembling himself. But it reminded me of the story of like Dr. Manhattan painstakingly putting him together one neuron at a time and how much powerful, more powerful he was after that. I like that entire sequence taken as a piece, like the scene from our side and like, what the hell just happened? And then almost forgetting that happened and then opening up the book and like, oh, my God, I'm going to see it from this Duarte star child proto molecule hybrid perspective. I, I really enjoyed that. Because yeah, Cortazar, that was a bold fuck way Cortazar, to start. man. Fuck that yeah. guy so hard. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, you got to kind of feel a little bit bad for him, like the way that he ended up in that situation. But it's once true. he became, once he be, once he became the uh, the sociopath, uh, you know, basically the biggest proponent of a protomolecule in 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 the universe or whatever. 
he, he yeah. doesn't have much he doesn't have much going for him as far as making him likable at that point no he's a he's a rabid dog at that point you can almost do nothing but put him down um do you have another favorite moment or I think um, one. I think the 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 blowback after the antimatter bomb went off in um, Team of Thrust too. Like whenever you have you have that point of view from the Falcon where they you know they they end up taking off, and I, I think that that was that was really um, satisfying the way they set that up. You know, this whole idea of tit for tat. We talked earlier about how ridiculous that is, but also you know something that you can imagine people doing that humanity would do because that's part of who we are you know we can't we can't leave things be we have to you know guys like Duarte their their whole point or Jules Pierre Mal before him you know is that well if I don't do this somebody else is going to do this and of course I'm the most capable and the most I have the 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 important insight here that's going to make this work I mean Duarte picked that football up after it had been fumbled. You know what I mean? Right. He ran with it. You could have just left it on the ground. You could have just said, okay, maybe now isn't the best time to continue to mess around with this proto molecule. He, he, he got, he came to the conclusion that let's go somewhere where no one can stop us from doing whatever the hell we want with it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's insane. I, I like. I'm glad that they had LV there to be the voice of me. You know, because like everybody's mm-hmm. like, you know, Duarte is like, I want to do this. It's tit for that. And, oh yeah, it's a brilliant strategy. And the the generals there. And he's like, yeah, we're gonna yes men. Yeah. yeah, and we're we're gonna we're gonna send this freighter full of uh, the, you know refined anthem. And LV's like, are you insane? You know. Yeah. Uh, I liked. I liked that. I, and, and the whole man. Oh. I really appreciated the like very espionage heavy spycraft resistance because we had mm-hmm. heard things like you know like the resistance is kind of it, um, different by the time we get catch up to an expanse like the belt you know and and the OPA and the more violent factions are well established to where you got Marco or it's almost an independent navy seeing how these movements begin and like you know, how it starts and how they organize, especially in like a, it's like I've met uh, Naomi hopping car- cargo container to cargo container and sending out these dr- sprint and drift, like listening station missiles and stuff. I thought that stuff was fat. I'm a big old school, like Tom Clancy, military sim realism guy that mm-hmm. I loved all the spy craft, the futuristic spy craft that went involved in, in all that uh, cloak and dagger stuff. Yeah, and and it's and it's and it's nice because you know these are the people that we like in the story, and that they're up against this immovable object that is Laconia. But they are like they do secure those little wins here and there, and and yeah, I, I, I like you said, watching them put it all together and how they're they're actually making a difference against it. It it, it is really satisfying. Yeah, her. Uh... Uh, that that's one of other thoughts because like I think that seven is one of the weaker books, but the climax of that where Bobby almost in passing steals the heart of the Tempest or whichever the ship the ship was, which becomes the mm-hmm. you know the, the essentially the super Rasinanti for the rest of the trilogy. That was extremely satisfying the way because all those moving parts came together and the uh, the, the the way the plan un- unfolded and I I I like that. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for helping me scratch my expanse itch, man. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I know it's, uh, people have been wanting me to do it. And, uh, my partner has been super busy 
hasn't able to get to the expanse stuff so i was wondering if you want to like tell people uh again who you are pete and where they can find you and what you're all about maybe what you're covering in the next few weeks okay yeah i'm i'm pete peppers on youtube you can i'm really easy to find you just search the name pete peppers it's spelled just like it sounds and my channel will come up um i do tv i do you know at different times i'm mostly an obsessive i'm not like a you know pop culture critic that that's into everything i I find things that i like and then i uh, i focus in on them and i have a lot of expanse stuff over the last couple of years um i just finished up with severance i was doing that which was a lot of fun and i'm getting ready to go into better call Saul's final season, which, you know, I did the fifth season. Now I'm going to be doing this, um, for the next few months and whatever else is out there, whatever catches my fancy, I guess. Yeah. He, uh, uh, just did a better call Saul season six, final season preview with Jim. Uh, if so, if you're an expanse fan, it's also a better call Saul fan. Check that out on our, uh, better cast Saul feed or bald, bald move pulp. um, I know that um, me and Jim do intend to do like a book by book breakdown whenever he does finish, because I, I think we're ready to do Perceptless Rising. We'll probably do that in the next few weeks. And then whenever he finishes Tiamat's Wrath, we'll we'll like do a, a whole episode just for that. Those those books, uh, presumably when we finish. But uh, no, Pete, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, please go check out his channel. We're going to put all that information into the show notes. So if you missed it, uh, just check out the show notes. We'll have his channel. You can click right through. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, Pete Peppers, again, thanks for coming on and talking Expanse with me. Yeah, thanks for talking about Like you said in the very beginning, I've, I've been dying to talk about this. Um, you know, the kind of videos I make, I didn't want to explain things, you know, for for people who didn't read it so that it would kind of dissuade them from, from reading the books because right. I think they're worth it. I think it's a good experience. And so I've been wanting to to have a conversation, and, and we've been talking, you know, we, we, we talk – uh somewhat anyways about different things and mm-hmm. i'm glad we finally got around to doing this and you know in the future if you want to talk more expanse i'm definitely down because I, I i haven't gotten tired of thinking about it or talking about it yet so well as i was I'm reading all three enjoy- books i took copious notes i used my the kindle's note and highlight feature extensively so like i i'm, I'm ready to go if jim jim keeps dragging his feet maybe we can do a book by book breakdown but thanks for coming on i uh, hope we get to work together real soon uh and uh, good luck on better call Saul and everything else coming out this year yeah thanks for having me